Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast for Sunday, July 24th, 2022. Today's sermon will be from Hebrews chapter 9, verses 1 to 5. If you'd like to follow along, please go to gracebaptistchurchnc.org, click the current sermons link at the top, and click today's manuscript. Welcome to Grace Baptist Church. Turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 9. We'll be um, looking at the first five verses of chapter 9, and we're still right in the middle <clears throat> of the author's instructions um, concerning the new covenant and the new covenant people of God, the church. And I'm going <clears throat> to read just verses 1 to 5 today. I had planned on preaching all the way through verse 10, but it was, it was way too much. And so, starting chapter <clears throat> 9, verse 1. Now, even the first covenant had regulations for worship and an earthly place of holiness. And so the title of today's sermon is The Tabernacle, colon, A Parable for New Covenant Worship. And so I get that really from verse 1, because that was their place of worship, and everything that centered around their worship had to do with the tabernacle. Verse 2, for a tent or tabernacle was prepared. The first section in which were the lampstand and the table and the bread of the presence. Or <clears throat> it is called the holy place. Behind the second curtain was a second section called the most holy place having the golden altar of incense incense, and the Ark of the Covenant covered on all sides with gold, in which was a golden urn holding the manna, and Aaron's staff that budded, and the tablets of the covenant. Above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing, overshadowing the mercy seat. And of these things we cannot now in, <clears throat> speak in detail. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you again today with this, these few verses before us. The tabernacle and its, this, this tent around which Israel found their worship in the way that you instructed for them to do. But in these verses and in this tabernacle and in these hearts and in the furniture of the tabernacle we see the glory of Christ and so father we look backwards upon this as we read the book of Hebrews and we pray that Jesus would increase and that we would decrease pray that truth would come forth that we would see his glory that we would see your glory in the face of of Jesus. I pray that in spite of me you would work. I pray that you would move among us and we just give you this time in Jesus name. Amen. So again the title of the sermon the tabernacle a parable of new covenant worship. So in other words as a church today how do we look at the tabernacle in Hebrews and in the Old Testament and what does that how does that help us worship today. So in our context, context of Hebrews, we find the author describing the specifics of Israel's worship as he describes the tabernacle and then 
coming up in the next verses, the priests and their work in the tabernacle. And this system was the center of their worship. And as long as the tabernacle, that particular tabernacle and its system remained, then they must continue to do as God prescribed. And they must do everything according to the pattern that God had given them. Look at chapter 8, verse 5. They serve a copy and shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent or the tabernacle, he was instructed by God saying, See to it that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you on the mountain. Now, as Christians and the With the coming of Christ, that system came to an end. It was good, it was right, and it was everything that they needed to worship God properly for that time. Now I must ask, until when? Well, we know the answer. Until a better way of worship, in fact, the best way of worship, takes its place or fulfills that old tabernacle and its way of worship and in this way this new covenant came in the person and work of Jesus Christ the son of God look at chapter 9 verse 11 skipping forward a little bit but when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come then through the greater and more perfect tent not made with hands that is not of this creation that's speaking of really of the, the incarnation of Christ. And we'll get into that in coming days. So as new Christians, new covenant Christians today, how do we preach these verses though? Because <clears throat> we here today are not Hebrews in danger of going back to that system where we would sacrifice animals then and go into this tabernacle. So how do we preach it? How do we learn from describing and remembering the parts of the tabernacle and the function of those priests? Well, look over it again. Chapter 8, verse 5. We just read that verse. But the tabernacle, they serve a copy and a shadow of what? Heavenly things. And then... As we think about this text and how you're wondering, how in the world do you get the word parable? Well, look at chapter, chapter 9, verses 8 and 9. By this, the Holy Spirit indicates that the way into the holy places is not yet opened as long as the first section is still standing. Then verse 9, which is symbolic for the present age. Well, the word for symbolic there in that verse, is parabole, which is where we get the word parable. And what is a parable? If you've read the New Testament, if you've read especially the Gospels, Jesus speaks to the people in parables. What's a parable? A parable is an earthly story that gives a heavenly meaning. So it's a picture of that which is heavenly. And so the tabernacle... For us today is an earthly picture, an earthly parable. It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And so it pictures how we should worship as new covenant 
Christians. So with this in mind today, I have really two parts to the sermon and then applications at the end. First part is basically the tabernacle, okay? Just, we're just going to look at the tabernacle as a whole, briefly. And I'm going to explain some of these things. And I would ask you to stick with me today because there's a lot of explanation till we get finally to the applications. But that's the first part, the tabernacle as a whole. Second part, we're going to look at each one of those little parts in the end to see how that tabernacle and its parts is a picture of heavenly worship and how we are to worship today as New Covenant Christians. So let's begin, the tabernacle. The nation of Israel was established as God brought them out of Egypt and led them to Sinai. All those great stories that we have in Exodus. And then there at Mount Sinai, he gave them his laws through Moses. And he set up this priestly system. And he gave them everything they needed under this Mosaic law, under that old covenant. Everything they needed. And then he was told, Moses was told to build a tent. It's not like the, the, it's kind of like, I guess, the tent you would buy at Walmart and put up, but it was very nice and very elaborate and much bigger. <clears throat> and so they were instructed to build a tent. And so really there were, there were three parts, okay? This, the, the chapter 9 just speaks of two parts. But there's, <clears throat> there's the tent that goes around with the, the outside of the, just think about the walls, or the fence that goes around, and there's that outer court. That's the, the part that, that doesn't speak about here, but there's an outer court. And then when you come in to the first curtain there, there is a second section, which is the holy place. And then there's another curtain, and then you walk behind that curtain, and what was there? The holy of holies, the most holy place. And this was the center of attention, the place where God's presence would dwell. And in that holy place, there was the altar where the priest, once a year the high priest, would come in because the regular priests, they went into the holy place daily. But only the high priest could go into the holy of holies once a year. And there they would take the, the sacrifice, the, the blood of those sacrificed animals, <clears throat> and sprinkle all of that blood upon the mercy seat. And to no other nation was this tabernacle given, but only to the nation of Israel. And here in verse 1, he calls it an earthly place of holiness. Now, I remember, if you're, <clears throat> I don't know if some of you have watched <clears throat> the movie, but do you, I think I was probably, it was probably in the 80s, I can't remember, the Raiders of the Lost Ark. You might remember that old movie. And I, there, there it's, you know, probably I wouldn't find it as, as entertaining today as I did back in the 80s. But at the end of the day, what Harrison Ford is looking for was the, you remember? The Ark of the Covenant. And so he's in this race against the, the Germans. <clears throat> and there they were looking for that Ark. And where do they get that picture of that Ark? Well, they get it from the Bible. And so they get it because if you go way back to when, right from the beginning, when Aaron was established as the high priest and he had those four sons, well, two of the sons, they did something wrong there in the way they were worshiping God, didn't they? They did something against, not in the way God commanded. And what happened to both of those men? They were killed instantly. 
And so I think of the time of David when they're moving the ark into Jerusalem. When Uzzah put out his hand and touched the ark as to keep it from stumbling. What happened to him? He wasn't supposed to do that. He also died. Well, if you go back to that movie, when they find the ark and they open it up, what happens to everybody? Those who look upon it, they all die. Of course, that's not biblical in any way, shape, or form. But you get the meaning that even the world is getting some things from the Scriptures, some truth about the, the holiness and the greatness of God. But right there where the ark was, only the, whole, the high priest could enter into the Holy of Holies once a year. And it was here in that part of the tabernacle that all, all of Israel's worship was centered. So it wasn't like there were other, there was tons of other things they had to do. They had to dress properly. They had to wash properly. They had to kill the right animals. They had to burn the right incense. <clears throat> they had to do everything according to plan. But that one day of atonement when that high priest went in overshadowed everything else in that tabernacle. So there was nothing, nothing more important to the worship that, that they would worship God properly than the tabernacle under the law of Moses. So now, move forward <clears throat> 1,500 years to the time of the Messiah, to the time of Christ. Do you remember John's words in his gospel when he says, And the Word became flesh, and what? I Weston said the Word, and... We, we translate that as dwelled among us. Well, that word dwelled is tent or tabernacled among us. And we have seen His glory. So do you see the picture already with the, re, with the, the fulfillment of that tabernacle and that Holy of Holies? We've seen His glory because that is the place where God's glory was given in that old covenant. Jesus says, <clears throat> it's interesting, at one of his times when he's teaching on the Sabbath, he tells the people, I tell you, all of you, something greater than the temple is here. Some, someone or something greater than Solomon is here. Well, this is the theme of the book of, the, of, the book of Hebrews. Jesus is this tabernacle. Jesus is the temple. You remember Jesus' words to the, to the woman at the well, Samaria, the Samaritan woman, John chapter 4. He says, Believe me, woman, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem, which is where the ark was in the temple at that time, will worship the Father. So there's the, temp, there's the theme of worship. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, He who is called the Christ. And when He comes, He will tell us all of these things and explain these things to us. And you remember what Jesus said to her? The one who is speaking to you is the Messiah. Today we worship God in the face of Jesus Christ. The old tabernacle was a picture of that which is real. There again, go back to chapter 8, 
Number, verse 5, they serve a copy and a shadow of the things to come. It was an earthly type of the real tabernacle, Jesus Christ. So, with that in mind, let's move on now to the second part of the sermon. And let's think about the parts of the tabernacle. Because generally speaking, the tabernacle, Jesus replaced it all. But let's think about, just for a few minutes, the specifics of the furniture. So every part of the tabernacle, every piece of furniture had a specific purpose relating to Israel's worship. So when the priest, high priest, the priest in the holy place, the high priest into the holy of holies, and all that they did in there, and they went in there, they saw this furniture, every piece pictured something that they would think of in their mind. Wow, what a great God that I serve. What a great God that we are worshiping. And so... Look at verses 2 to 5 with me in chapter 9. Just for us to recall these pieces. For a tent was prepared. The first section in which were the lampstand and the table and the bread of the presence. Those are three things there we see in the holy place. Behind the second curtain was a second section called the most holy place. Having the golden altar of incense... The Ark of the Covenant, covered on all sides with gold, in which was a golden urn holding the manna. Aaron's staff that had budded was in there, and then the tablets of the covenant. Above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. And then he says, of these things we cannot now speak in detail. I feel like that as a preacher, a pastor today. Of today, we cannot speak of these things in great detail, but we will give some attention. So let's... Let's start with the lampstand that was in this holy place there. This first section. It's also translated as candlestick. And in this compartment, there was no window. A.W. Pink says, For the light of nature cannot reveal spiritual things. But inside that part, the light would come from the lamp. And we get all of this from Exodus 25. The lamp was made of pure gold, without joints or screws. Justin, you'd probably like that, building a house without joints or screws. And then in the lamp, they they put pure olive oil. Some commentators say that this represents Jesus as the light of the world. Now, we would say, absolutely, this is certainly true, because Jesus does say, I am the light of the world. However... When we go into those verses that speak about Jesus being the light of the world, he says, I am the light of the world as long as I am in the world. And who does the world and what does the world love, brothers and sisters? The world loves darkness. The world does not love light. The world walks in darkness. And the Bible says that that he is hidden from their eyes. John 9 and John 12 Proverbs 4.19 says, The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. So from this perspective, if we think about the world and light and darkness, right now for the world, it is nighttime. For Christ, the day spring from on high in His person in that way is gone. He has ascended back to heaven. And so when we see this lampstand, when I say that about the world, 
I think that it pictures Christ being the light to His people. He is our lampstand. He is our light. And so, in its earthly form, pictures that during this time of darkness, Jesus is our light. And as the olive oil was continually fed into the lamp, what do you think that would picture? I think it pictures Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit. There's the oil that continually comes because the priests were to go into that room. I don't know exactly how often, but they were in there often and they were refilling that, that oil so that that lamp can continually give light. There is not a time when God would take His Spirit from His people, from His elect. And so, no matter what we're going through, no matter what our trials, our temptations, and I know we're going through, all of us are going through different things and different issues, but as if we are Christ, if we have believed on Him, then we have been given the Holy Spirit. And this lampstand, when you read this in Hebrews, should say, what a good God you are in giving us Christ, who also gives us the Holy Spirit. The table. Inside the holy place, there was a table. And on this table was 12 loaves of bread. So what do you think the table pictures? Well, sometimes, what do we do on the first day of the first Sunday of the month? Sometimes we say we take the Lord's Supper, but what also do we say? We take communion. I think of the family table. Now, what happens when families sit around the table and sit together and have a meal around the table? Well, it depends on how many young kids you have at your house going on. But whether you got young kids or whether they're all out of the house and they bring their grandkids over, we know what it's like to sit at a table with our family. We have communion. I remember years ago before I met Kristen when, we were, when I was living in Mexico City. The Hispanic culture, the Mexican culture in particular, they would have a big breakfast, they would have a big lunch at around 2 o'clock, and their supper was, was just <clears throat> not a lot. Maybe some bread, they would send someone else to get some bread and drink coffee and tea and other kinds of drinks. And then every night, the family would just sit around the table for literally hours and just talk about life and have communion one with another. And so we know what this means. I think of David, King David. Do you remember after <clears throat> Saul was the first king? And then comes David. After many years, Saul dies. And then the, the kingdom is divided a bit there. And so there are a couple kings, and all of a sudden, David becomes the king of the entire nation. And then he decides, you know what? For Saul's sake, for, it's actually for Jonathan's sake, who's Saul's son, he says, show me someone whom I can show kindness to. And he goes and he finds this one young man named Mephibosheth, who is lame in his feet. And he says to him, <clears throat> because when kingdoms switched in those days, often <clears throat> the previous kingdom was killed off. Or they were put in low positions. Well, David says, I want to show kindness to this man for Jonathan's sake. So he brings Mephibosheth to his table that he might always eat from this table and have communion. 
So in the same kind of way, our communion, and I'm going to mention this again in a moment, our communion is with Christ. What about the bread? Well, in the original Hebrew, the literal translation is bread of faces. It's translated in the ESV as the bread of the presence. In other words, it represents the presence of God there in that holy of holies. Excuse me, in the holy place. You see, this bread in the holy place was replaced, though, every week. So the priest would come in, and every week, each loaf representing a tribe of Israel, the all of God's people, but that would be replaced, so there would be fresh bread week after week after week. It was always fresh and always on the table. Exodus 25, 30, God tells the priests, You shall set the bread of the presence on the table before me regularly. So when we put the bread with the table together, we have the most beautiful picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is always with His people. When He was on the earth, He Himself in body was with His people. But when He ascended, He's given us the Holy Spirit. And here in this, as we think about the tabernacle, we see the most beautiful picture, the presence of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Today, Jesus says, I will not leave you. I will not leave you. These are words from the Lord. And this pictures this. He will come to us. So no matter what is going on in your life, no matter what trials or what tests or what difficulties or what persecutions, the presence of God, I think the new covenant, I will write my law on their hearts. I will put my spirit within them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. I think of Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, which is quoted again in Matthew 1. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name. What do we sing? Christmas. Emmanuel, which means God with us. So let's move on to the next bit, though. The golden altar of incense. The literal translation is golden censer. If you go back and read Leviticus and Exodus, this censer is not in the Holy of Holies, where it says that we might think that it says that it is here, but instead it's in the holy place. But what happens is the priest, during that one day of the year, would take and burn that incense from outside and take it to the inside into the Holy of Holies. That's why he's mentioning here in that part of that room. And that aroma that that priest... I remember living in Russia. We'd always go and we'd visit some of these Orthodox churches. And there would always be these priests carrying these golden... Well, well, they're golden, but some type of censer with, that had some kind of burning incense. And this smell was coming out of this incense. And so this incense, though, pictured that God accepted and received the sacrifice of His Son. What about the Ark of the Covenant and all of its parts? Well, this is the most important and mysterious part of the Ark. I mean, of the, of, of the entire tabernacle. So if we think about the Ark of the Covenant itself, made up of two parts. First part is wood, which is called shittim wood. And this wood was supposedly... Never rots, okay? So we're talking about some really good wood. And then over top of the wood was gold, 
pure gold laid over top of this wood. And then we find the lid of this seat, which is called the, the mercy seat. And this top part of the ark pictured the great mercy of God. And then built into this seat were two cherubim. I don't know how it exactly looked, but wings came up over the ark and looked down upon the mercy seat. Psalm 80 verse 1 says of God, you are enthroned upon the cherubim. So this would make the ark of the covenant God's throne, we might say, or his footstool, but in one, from one perspective, his throne upon the earth. Inside the ark was the golden urn that was holding the manna, the same manna given by God while they were in the desert. Inside was also Aaron's, Aaron's rod that had once budded with the almonds. If you remember that story when, when the sons of Korah rebelled, against Moses and against Aaron. And he, he said, okay, let's bring up your staves and let's put a name with each of the names of Israel on it and let's see <clears throat> which one buds. See what God does. And we find out the next morning that Aaron's bud had leaves and flowers and almonds on it. And so that was inside the, the Ark of the Covenant. Finally, there were the tablets. The, I imagine the, the tablets with, that contained the, the Ten Commandments. Now, it's interesting that in Hebrews here, he mentions these three items being inside the ark. Well, if you're, you may be thinking, wow, well, I've read in another place where it says that only the Ten Commandments are in the ark. And so how do you reconcile the two? Well, it's, it's, it's not difficult because the, the author here is talking about that time, back when it was the tabernacle before it had been moved into the temple. And so back in that time, in the early days, those were all in there. But when it was later moved into the temple, all that remained there and all they put into that was the, those Ten Commandments or those, those tablets of stone. Now, we cannot, I think, overstate the importance of the Ark of the Covenant. For God's people, Israel, under that old covenant... The ark was the center of their worship. And every part pictured some quality, some truth about God. And so today, as New Covenant Christians, we look back upon that, that ark, the ark of the covenant, and we see its fulfillment in Jesus. Jesus told His disciples, If you've seen Me, you've seen the Father. So let's just think for a moment before we apply this. How do these items picture Christ? Think about the gold. The gold on the ark pictures the holiness and the perfection of our Lord Jesus. Jesus is, was, always will be the sinless Son of God. The wood, the shatim wood that was there under the gold was said to never rot. Our Lord Jesus never changes. Never ever he is eternal. And the fact that both the wood and the gold are together in one piece, I think, picture the humanity and the deity of Christ. Two natures in one person. The manna 
came down from heaven, pictures Jesus who, where did he come down from? For God so loved the world that he gave from heaven his only son. Today he is the bread of life. Today Jesus is the sustenance for our souls. Let me just say, if you are finding your sustenance in anything else other than Christ, then you are not worshiping in this way. And you're not worshiping the way that God has commanded in Christ. Think about the golden urn that holds the manna. So in Christ we see all of the glory of God held in, in His person who now sits at the right hand in heaven. And when I think of the, the budding of Aaron's rod as God confirmed His choice of high priest, so God has confirmed His Son to us and to the world that God accepted His death. And He rose from the dead. There's the budding of the Lord Jesus Christ. So much more I could say for sure. But let's, let's end today with some applications for us. First application. God always instructs His people as to how we are to worship Him. It's very important. We are not free to go and worship God in the ways that we desire, in the ways that we want. If we think back to the Old Covenant in that tabernacle, we see the ceremonies, the rituals, all of the ways the priest had to wash and the people had to wash, and all the putting away of all that which was unclean, and all the particular ways they had to cut the animal and sacrifice the animal and exact specifics. If you read it in one sitting, you'll be like, your brain would almost explode because of the, the multitude of the way. And if you took the whole Mosaic law, wow, it is absolutely astounding to me under Mosaic law. Now, for that time, they were good. They were divine. And that tabernacle and those ways of worship were perfect for them just as God had required. But they were always Shadows and types and figures and pictures of that which is real. The antitype who is Christ. So today, our instructions, yes, we take the Old Testament. And if you know me, I enjoy preaching the Old Testament even more so in, in, from one perspective than I am the new in some ways, because I love to see how the new then interprets the old and brings out all of these shot types and shadows and figures. It is amazing to me. But our instructions are found primarily in the New Testament as to their fulfillment. So today, our instructions are found in this Christ of the New Covenant. Another application, and I just mentioned it, but we should consider, you should consider, as you read the Old Testament, the beauty of all of those types that picture the Son of God. And if you were to go and sit down tonight, this afternoon, and spend you a couple hours and just read through Exodus, read through the story of Joseph, read through the stories of Abraham, go through 
the history of Israel and then move to the prophets, you will just be amazed at how Christ comes out of the Word in all of those pictures because really all this book is is one big book. Hebrews represents the book of the, of the entire Bible. It says, here's Christ. He is the better way. He is superior to all, all things that have come before. Another application. Worship in the Old Covenant was in a place. But in the New Covenant, our worship is where? Can we go to another place and worship? Yes. Can we meet in a YMCA? What did I always say? Those of you who go, go way back with grace. I, I, I don't even know if I can remember how I said it, but I, always, I think I would say, um, I welcome the church to the building. And so we worship God not now in a place. We worship God through the Son. There are no more sacrifices. Even as recently the big celebration of Korban took place in the Islamic world, as they would take that, that goat or that lamb and sacrifice, and as even the Jews today sacrifice, and other religions of the world still do all their rituals and all their sacrifices, we do not do that anymore. We worship God in the face of Christ. And I think following alongside that, as we think about our worship, really, for us, worship has become very simple, hasn't it? I think this is reflected in our definition as a church. We center our worship, and we think worship just here. And I'll get to that in a minute. But we center our worship here in our main meeting of the week here around the Word. Even as Tommy said this morning, we'll sing the Word, we'll preach the Word, we'll pray the Word. Hopefully we will, we will, we will repeat the Word one to another. We sing, we do these things, we baptize, we take the Lord's Supper. There's other things, but New Testament worship is really pretty simple. This means that to worship God in the face of Jesus Christ is very different than what they had with the tabernacle in the Old Covenant. Another application, I'm mentioning this again. True worship is found only in the Son of God. The world wants to worship God in its own way, but there is only one way to God. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And we'll see next week, or not next week, but next part here, that Jesus is the, not only the priest, He is the sacrifice. He died on the cross, and God punished the Son in our place as Christians. And so our sins are thrown as far as the east is from the west. That is the best relief of comfort we can ever have. Another application. Question. How do we come to Christ now? They came through the tabernacle, through the priests. They did everything that was instructed of them. How do we come now? We come very simply in faith and repentance. We turn from our sins and we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ who takes away our sins. And He frees us from the power of sin. He gives us the Holy Spirit and then He is leading us all the way to heaven. 
This means that for us today, worship is not just Sunday morning. Worship is when? 24-7. Is it not? Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So is that just talking about a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night or a home group? No, it is 24-7. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. By testing, you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. Another application. The way we worship now as New Covenant Christians sets us apart. We worship as we live godly lives in this world. And so when you are worshiping, if you have repented and believed on Lord Jesus and you live differently from the world, what does the world say? Wow, what's going on here? When we make hard decisions, we don't laugh at the, the vulgar jokes. We don't do the things that the world does and, and find those things. Well, we can't by the Spirit because we put to death the deeds of the, of the flesh by the Spirit. But we are different. And this sets us apart. And so, brothers and sisters, if you live just like the world when you leave this place, then I mean, you know the answer to that. I don't have to tell you. The way we worship sets us apart. And it's really godly living overall. But as we come together, though, more specifically, I think of Colossians 3.16. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. I hope the Word of Christ has come in the tabernacle and it will dwell in you richly. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. That's what's happening. Singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. That's what we do as Christians. It's pretty simple. It's not complex like the other religions of the world. As the tabernacle and all of its parts and the ways the priests entered worship under the old covenant hedged Israel in as God's holy nation. So we today are a holy nation, a holy priesthood. I think of 1 Peter 2, verse 5. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Our spiritual sacrifices are everything that we do one to another. And so even from the last couple weeks, spiritual sacrifice today is how do you love the person next to you? How do you think? How can I serve you right now when we finish in a moment? What can I say to you to help you? And this week, how can I help you? And I certainly must repent from that. Because I know that I'm not very good at that. I'm, I, as a pastor, I'm better at doing this and just being with people. But so many things that so much of you guys, so many of you guys are so much better at than me. But at the end of the day, how do we use our gifts to bless the person next to us? Another application. I got two more, and that's it. 
Another application. Under the Old Covenant, there were divine institutions, as we've talked about. All of those things they had to do. But in the New Covenant, what are our divine institutions? I love, Greg, I think about that article on the ordinances. There are our divine institutions. But generally speaking, we begin with the two most important. Baptism and the Lord's Supper. And there are many other things that we do, but those are the two things really that are, that are visual to us, given to us by the commands of Christ. So that pictures us as opposed to all of the things that took place under that system. Final application. Our worship is eternal worship. Worship around the tabernacle was earthly. That's what we'll get into next, next verses. Now, this doesn't mean that, the, that when, they, when it says the tabernacle is earthly, that it was worldly in the sense of evil. That's not what the text is saying at all. The emphasis is that their worship was transient. It was for a time. It was not eternal. Their worship continued as long as that system was in place. But when the new has come, the new covenant, the old system must come to an end. This means that our worship in the new covenant and what Christ has done on the cross in His ascent, resurrection, His ascension as He sits at the right hand of God now forevermore to make intercession, to be our advocate, to be our friend, to be our high priest. All of those things, that is eternal. We're not going to all of a sudden, 100 years from now, a million years from now, God's not going to come up with another system. That's, and when we think about the old covenant... All of those things were built with what? By their, their gold and wood and stones and cotton and all of those things that, that make up this world. But where, who is Christ? If you go back, I'm going to finish with this. Look over at Hebrews 1. Come bringing us back. Long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He's spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. I mean, there's no further we can go. He is our eternal worship. Verse 3, He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of His nature. He upholds the universe by the word of His power. After making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Having become as much superior to the angels as the name He has inherited is more excellent to theirs. Then even, I think, going on down, He talks about His eternal throne. Today, we do not do what they did. Now, by faith, through grace, they worshipped, of course, by the same Spirit. But the ways that they did it and the things prescribed for them were all pictures and types, shadows for that which was real. And so today, we worship Christ who is the eternal God. I hope, I pray these words are helpful to us today. And I look forward to continuing on in a couple weeks with verses 6 to 10. But let's pray together and end our time today. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time that we've had together. Thank you for these words from Hebrews 9. 
the tabernacle. And Father, I didn't do it justice, I know. But Father, you are good to, to give us such pictures, even in Hebrews as Christians, and we read this book and look back to those beautiful pictures that look unto Christ. Father, may he be more beautiful to us today. May we trust him more greatly. May we love one another more deeply. And we give you this day until you bring us back again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Baptist Church podcast. You can listen to past sermons at podbean.com. Search Grace Baptist Church China Grove to find us. You can also find us on Apple Podcast. Search Grace Baptist Church China Grove. You can also join us at the South Rowan YMCA, 950 Kimball Road, China Grove, North Carolina. We meet on Sunday mornings at 930 for fellowship and service starts at 10. Thank you for listening and remember to be intentional in making disciples this week.